PR is not a verb is brought to you by the Impact Agency. This is a three-part mini-series on influencers. In this part, we discuss regulations. Let's dive in. Hi, I'm Nicole Webb. I'm the CEO of the Impact Agency. And with me today, I've got uh, the lovely Katie Eastman, our Associate Director at Impact. Hi, Katie. Hi, Nicole. Thanks for having me today. We're going to talk about influencers today, and you are the expert in the Impact Agency on all things influencers. So I'm really, really pleased that you've um, you've joined me today. I'm really excited to be catching up about influencers. It's something I could talk about all day. So I thought we'd start talking about regulation. So many laws and rules around working with influencers and content creators from you know, the Australian Influencer Marketing Council put out a code of practice. We know that the Therapeutic Goods Administration has an advertising code. The ACCC is coming down hard on anybody greenwashing. We know we've got ESG um, in the wings. Let's talk about where it all started because it was all it was pretty easy before, I think, 2020 <laughs> to work with influencers. It was kind of like... Um, anything goes we you know we've always been about authenticity working with our um, influencers but the influencer the Australian Influencer Marketing Council introduced um, a code of practice in 2020 which is kind of the main change for brands and influencers that um, that paid and gifted collaborations now must be acknowledged I think most people are are doing this the influencer um, industry are doing this every now and again in the media we hear stories of uh they have not done this, but talk, can you want to talk with me through about what it is that they need to be doing? Mm, Nicole, it's an interesting topic. It's probably, regulation has probably been one of, or if not the biggest um, force in influencer land in the past few years, other than the changing algorithm that makes hmm. things very hard for influencers or content creators and brands to continually look at the way they're producing content and when they're pushing out and how they're pushing it out and how they're responding um, and engaging with their followers. Regulation has, I think it's been a good thing, um, personally. I think, as you've said, most brands and most influencers are doing the right thing now, but pre, pre this regulation, there was a lot of um, influencers and brands who were kind of very secret and were trying to pull the wool over um, the eyes of the, of the community, of you and I, we're consumers when we're not at our desks. Um, I think that it, uh, it has made it a bit more of an even, even playing field. When you're watching TV and you see an ad, you know it's an ad um, and you kind of have to take that same thinking to, to influencers and social media now. Um, I've gone completely off topic. Remind me of the question you asked me. <laughs> that was really good. That was really good. Um, so, Katie, back in 2020, the Australian Influencer Marketing Council, also known as AIMCO, um, released a code of practice and it meant that influencers um, and brands needed to identify and acknowledge what um, any payment that they received from a brand or any gifts that they received from a brand. Can you talk about why this came about and um, what are we doing to help? Um, our clients and influencers that we work with um, make sure that we achieve what is set out in that code of practice. Yeah, Nicole, it's a it's a big it's a big topic, and why it, why it came about um, was there was 
before this regulation came in, there was a lot of brands and a lot of influencers who there was money crossing hands, there was high value goods and services down to small goods and services crossing hands with brands gifting, with brands paying influencers um, and influencers not disclosing that arrangement with their followers, um, which very unethical. Um, it's these days transparency is king and it's something that has been um, important to impact since we called them bloggers. Um, transparency for followers and for the brands, it, it creates trust, authenticity. Um, you can still have genuine connections despite there being paid arrangements or gifted arrangements in place. Um, but followers also feel like they um, are part of that inner circle. They understand they're not feeling like they're being tricked. Um, so it is, it is all about transparency. It's making sure that that arrangement, whether it's paid or whether it's a, a gift, um, has been disclosed um, with in the public, really. Um, and how, 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 yeah, how, do, how do they do that? So Katie? there's a few different ways. Um, best practice is to use if the platform that the influencer is working on, say Instagram, has a branded content feature. Um, it's really easy. They just have to turn it on and tag the brand if the brand has their own Instagram account and it will show really clearly to their followers that it is a paid arrangement. And there's actually a benefit of using that um, tool for brands. They can see insights that you can't see um, behind the post. You can see how many eyeballs have actually seen the post um, on top of engagement, which um, can be seen publicly. And there's also an option um, to put spend behind that post and turn it into an ad. So it is a benefit to brands um, to use that tool. Um, and then of course, it does create that transparency um, for the community as well. So for us, it impacts, oh, so sorry, Nicole. No, I was just, no, just going to say, Katie, can we um, insist that the influencers that we work with use these platforms? We do in our briefs. It's a requirement for yeah. us um, because it is, Anko has I suggested that it is best practice. There are other ways that influencers can disclose. They can use ad um, in their copy and um, often brands want to use that as well. Um, so you can use the paid um uh, tag as well as using a disclosure in the caption um, to make it really clear um, that it is a paid arrangement. But yeah, in our briefs and our contracts, we do um, request that 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 tag is used um, because it is best practice. And we also, we love data. We want to make sure that um, we, we can measure. It's it's good for the influencer and the brand um, the influencer. If their post performs really well, I mean, you can see that with the, from the data, it it probably means they'll get more work um, from the brand down the track. So it is a benefit to both brand and influencer to be able to see those insights. So use the brand partnership tool totally. where possible, but alternatively or in, in addition to hashtag ad, hashtag advert, hashtag paid partnership, hashtag sponsored, you know, there's a whole bunch of, yeah. of ways that you can. AMCO have really, really clear directions. They've got a code of practice and they've got some fact sheets that make it really easy and straightforward for brands and influencers to make sure that they are disclosing in the right way. But as a general yeah. rule, use the, the branded um, content tool where possible. Yeah, fantastic. So that happened in 2020, 2020 um, and we've had a couple of updates introduced during 2021. Then along came the Therapeutic Goods Administration Advertising Code, which came in effect on the 1st of January 2022. I know there was a lot of confusion when this was first um, launched um, about influencers being able to provide paid and gifted promotions to TGA-regulated goods. 
but it was as long as they did not speak on their own experience with the product. So the greatest challenge that we experienced was um, for influencers and for marketers and for us, obviously, um, and understanding the difference between an endorsement and a testimonial. Yes. Have I got that right? (laughs) Yes. Good. Oh, good. Good. Um, So, Nicole, prior to the new code coming in, there was a previous TGA code that um, it wasn't, there was no stipulation around influencers and um, how they could work with um, TGA listed products. Apart from it's very, it was, it's always been very clear that influencers can't make any, couldn't make any claims um, that were outside of the TGA approved claims. So you'll have a a TGA list of product, the brand is only allowed to say a certain amount of things in a certain way about the product and influencers had to um, adhere um, in the same way that the brand did and there'd, there'd be a disclaimer um, as you might see on the product itself and on ads from the brand would have to be included in the, the content as well. So that's how prior to this refreshed code influencers could exist um, in the same way that a brand could produce content about the product and influencer could as well, as long as they weren't a healthcare professional, which is a whole other, um, a whole other discussion. Um, with the refresh code that came out, as you said, um, influencers were not allowed to give an opinion or a testimonial or talk about their experience with the product, um, which made it has made it quite challenging for brands um, who have worked with content creators in the past because historically they've they've looked to influencers and content creators to talk about the product and their experience with it, um, which for most brands and most influencers they colour between the lines and they spoke about the product fairly and within um, the boundaries of TGA and made sure the claims um, were not outside of what TGA had approved. Um, But there were some brands that were pushing those boundaries and were making claims that weren't approved by TGA and that's misleading and is quite dangerous um, for consumers. When you're talking about TGA listed products, they're essentially medicines. Um, So it is dangerous to talk about claims um, that don't work, you might have somebody who thinks they've, they've found a magic product. There's there's no such thing as a magic product. Um, TGA look to science. So, so Katie, you can make an endorsement but not a testimonial. Am I reading that correctly? Yeah, that's correct, Nicole. So as a content creator, um, you can talk about a product. You can talk about what the product does, um, but you must draw the line before you enter into a testimonial, which is talking about you using the product and how it has helped you. So um, it's more like an ad where you can talk about the product and what it does rather than how it has how it helps you. I've repeated myself a bit there, but hope that makes sense. Okay, so on the TGA website it says an endorsement is where company X recommends brand Y disinfectant, they've used disinfectant, um, and a testimonial is I use brand Z cream on my eczema as it helps soothe the itch and inflammation. No, 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 not allowed to do the testimonial. Yes. Yeah. So to make that compliant, they could talk about I use, oh, sorry, you never use. Um, this cream helps with eczema. Um, it helps soothe um, soothe itch and inflammation rather than, so you've got to take yourself out of take it. Take yourself out of it, yeah. yeah. Um, what have we done to ensure that our clients and our influencers and content creators follow this code? 
Look, we have a, a really structured process for how we work with influencers and even more structured for those that fall into additional regulation beyond um, AMCO's regulations and ACCC's regulations. Um, so for TGA-listed products, um, we have all of the TGA requirements in our briefs and in our contracts. So from the outset, it's really clear the brand's happy, the brand's legal team's happy, and we're happy with how um, the influencer um has been briefed the influencer feels supported they they know that their content will be compliant because we've broken down what they need to do what they can't do um, we might include some examples on how they could bring it to life um, and then what happens is the influencer will create their content and impact as a starting point we'll have a checklist to make sure that we've ticked all of the boxes for um the brand for um, AIMCO, for TGA. Um, so we, we go through that caption. We look at the photo with a fine tooth comb to make sure that it is compliant, that we are protecting that influencer and also that it ticks the boxes for the brand. The post then goes to the brand for approval so they can make sure that they are happy um, with that content and um, where applicable a brand's legal team might look at the content as well. Um, that comes down to the client, obviously, um, but often legal will want to have a look at it to make sure that they are comfortable um, because the if, if, if content is not um, compliant, there are big implications um, from that. So it's in everyone's best interest. It's in the influence of the brand um, and legal team to make sure that we're compliant. And also, look, it's in the interest of the community as well. We want to make sure that no content is misleading as well. So we are in support um, of TGA. The work that TGA does um, is about protecting us. As, yeah, as absolutely. And and the and the AIMCO one as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, and look, just briefly, and it's it's not directly related to the to influencers and content creators, but we know that um, the ACCC is cracking down on greenwashing as well. Um, they've been investigating a number of businesses suspected of making misleading environmental and sustainability marketing claims. Uh, they did a sweep of 247 companies just recently and 57% were found to have made concerning claims about their environmental credentials. Um, the cosmetic industry, clothing, footwear, food, drinks, have all had, they had the highest proportion of concerns um, among the sectors targeting, targeted in the operation. Um, and other sectors investigated included energy vehicles, household products and appliances. So businesses using claims like environmentally friendly, green, sustainable, um, they're obliged to back up their claims um, through reliable scientific reports, transparent supply information, reputable third party certification or other forms of evidence. So we've just got to keep that in the back of our mind too when we're working with um, clients and influencers that are making um, environmental claims. Absolutely. And one of the benefits of working with um, with us is our um, oversight over greenwashing. And um, we'll ask those questions up front when we, we come on board for a new project. We will talk to the brand in an open room. We'll have that discussion around claims. Um, we need to know what the answers are because the influencers will ask us the questions and if the influencers don't ask, the community might ask um, the influencers as well. So we need to have answers and we need to make sure that anything, any claims that we're pushing out um, aren't greenwashing um, because it, 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 it will come out, whether it's today or in three months' time, six months' time, it will come out eventually. Yeah, it all, it all comes out in the wash, doesn't it? It does. Ha, <laughs> pardon the pun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's, that's fa absolutely fascinating talking to you today about... Um, regulation around working with influencers. Katie, I really appreciate your time today. So thanks very much. Mary, it's always a pleasure. 
thanks for listening. For more VR insights or to get in touch, head to impactagency.com.au.